yeah, as you guys were doing that, uh, as you guys were doing that, I was uh, clipping my toenails. Oh yeah, that's very important. <laughs> but make sure, like, you remember Gio? Do you remember that Sopranos episode where uh, Tony Soprano visited Italy, and there was a sexy fox of a lady he met who yes. said that she saves all her toenail clippings because they can be used yeah, against uh, her. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Super yeah, she ends up being the boss of yeah, the family. You, you gotta incinerate those things or make sure you got a good handle on them. Yeah. Uh, a cautionary tale about about romanticizing the past. <laughs> she reminded me kind of of that porn star, Aria Giovanni. I don't know if you guys remember her. Oh yeah, well, I think I don't. Vaguely. I'm unaware. She had this, uh, I know I've always been interested in Italian women, you know, especially like uh, curvaceous Please. Italian women. Take it's your probably fucking hands I... off them right now. It's probably because I, I went to Catholic school back in the day so that there were some uh, hot Italian moms there, you know, uh, when I went over the birthday parties of some of my So I'm at Slaboy T. Alright, this is that shit's powder 37. This is a black.com build. This is the Fed Post. So that there were some uh, hot Italian moms there, you know, uh, when I went over the birthday parties of some of my friends. And the food was great too. Like that's the one thing that I think a lot of public school kids miss is having really good Italian food, which I got to do. I got to live vicariously through, uh, you know, being a friend of this kid whose dad was in the mafia. So he used to come over his house and eat like Italian food with uh, tomatoes right from the garden. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I yeah. remember saying like, the uh, there's no good food, like only Asian and Latin people have good food and good women. And shout out to the Wignats. The Wignats corrected me correctly and was like, nah, nah, we got Italy. That's still, the boot's yeah, still there. Yeah, but Italians aren't white, bro. That's the thing. That's the other thing. That's, well, that's the real red pill that, you know, a few have yet to take. But this is the real red pill. brothers and sisters. I mean, just like generally, like if you were lucky enough to be, yeah. Oh, God. Uh, if you're like lucky to be born, in, like lucky enough to be born in like the Mediterranean, I think just you're, oh, that's yeah. just a good, that's just a good area for food. Oh, yeah. Generally, oh, yeah. right? And women. Well, everything's fresh, unlike uh, Scandi countries where I forget. I think it was Bap even said like they had to invent like complex sauces to cover up the fact that half the food was like rotting away. <laughs> so, yeah, no, they all have. Like, it's like all like like the the high water mark is pickled herring. If your high water mark <laughs> is pickled herring, which I like by the way, like there's you know, come on, like you're not you're not competitive <laughs> level. <laughs> Yeah. Well, the Japanese have a similar thing called a funazushi, which is like an ancient form of sushi, and it's all rotten because they uh, they put the sushi in with the rice and they cover it up for uh, like months or years or I remember a really long time, and then they take it out and it's just like this fish that's been fermented with the rice in it, and it's just like zombie like zombie meat, but they seem to love it. And uh, I'm not a I don't know I like fermented things. I think a mix of fermented and fresh is good. I mean, think of how many of how much of our body is just all these little uh, little critters, you know, all these uh, bio biotics, probiotics and such.
Yeah, I like I like a good pickled food. I like a good pickled food for sure. I think one yeah. of my least favorite pickled food foods is is ironically pickles. To be honest, really, uh, I think I like they the I, really. I like pickles well enough, but okay, you know what? What basically is a pickle, but does everything that a pickle does, but better is a pickled okra. It's got Whoa, a better. Yo, I'll give you that. Interesting. Hmm? Okra is a top tier veggie. <laughs> it has. It has. Uh, well, the funny thing is, I've never had okra in any form other than pickled, so I what? wouldn't even really. Oh know. yeah, you're from yeah. Seattle and shit. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I've had a lot. I've had a lot of salmon and teriyaki mm. in my life. That's basically broccoli and shit like that, probably. Uh, well, broccoli well, rub. <laughs> but but uh yeah the okra it's got because it's hollow on the inside and then it's got some kind of like popping seeds that that aren't that aren't too hard though there's more crunch there's layers in it that a pickle just doesn't have um yeah pickled okra like a gusher Definitely. almost yeah like except it probably contains the, some of the liquid like in there a gusher. <laughs> yeah except without <laughs> the cough syrup in it oh yeah yeah instead yeah. uh, it's yeah. like pickling vinegar mm-hmm mm. Gushers were the thing, though, back in uh, Catholic school as well. I remember there was that food calendar. We got gushers. We got fruit roll-ups. And uh, I remember I even ate because here's the thing. I, I was an immigrant. I came here. Uh, by the way, I don't know if we I don't know if we did a proper introduction and not exactly for the people listening who the fuck we are. So I should probably start by saying I am Lev Polyakov. Welcome, hey. everybody. Uh, thank you so much for inviting me and Gio to the uh, Fed Post. It is a great honor to be here. Yeah. And uh hey. I uh, I run the live stream series called Break the Rules, BreakTheRules.tv. That is how you find it. And uh, her whole thing is we've been teaming up very online people together with very mainstream people and seeing what happens. But anyway, back to the Catholic school. So I was born in St. Petersburg, Russia. I came here when I was four to uh, the United States and uh, I picked up English pretty quickly. It was around the time that Batman Forever came out that I was in this uh, Russian Orthodox school that I used to uh, go to uh, when I was like four years old. Then I went to Catholic school. That's where I met my friend whose dad was in the mafia. And uh, I didn't really know the culture that well, though. So I made mistakes like eating fruit roll-ups with the plastic still on, like not being aware mm-hmm. that you have to take it off first. Yeah, right. yeah, that is like the classic mistake of uh, <laughs> being westernized, eating the plastic wrap. Why is there plastic in everything? Why, why is it layered in here like that? <laughs> I mean, how much of a difference is there really between the fruit roll-ups with the plastic versus fruit roll-ups without the plastic? Well, there are plasticizers in the fruit roll-ups, I guess that's, yeah. Yeah, actually, to be honest, I feel like I've eaten the fruit roll-up plastic as well. Uh, this might explain some things about the podcast. The lo-fi texture of the pod, the autistic pod texture. Yeah, exactly. I think it's we're all pretty much fucked one way or another. We're all kind of like in the island of broken toys here. I mean, <laughs> that's if you subscribe to the idea that we're living in a fallen state. I mean, how many of you guys think we're living in a fallen state? Pretty obvious, though. I mean, I mean, I think we're in the I think we're in the process of it. Yeah, yeah. I think we're falling. yeah. Because yeah. unless, 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 unless we're talking original sin, then absolutely. Oh, of course. Oh, of course. Was, yes. right? Leviticus? Right. Yeah. Revelation? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. But, Sarah Cage is naming books of the Bible. It doesn't even know anything about them. <laughs> oh, <laughs> the, the Empire Strikes yeah. Back. <laughs> Empire Strikes Back. Oh, yeah. Pop, pop, Pontius Pilate? I don't know. <laughs> the Sorcerer's uh, Stone? What? Pilate? Yeah. Well, they, were all, they were all based on Shakespeare. That That's the important <laughs> thing to realize. Oh, yeah. 
it is it is funny though we're talking about this if we're if we're living in a failing state a falling state whatever <laughs> i was on my way to get coffee this morning and i did kind of like realize you know like i'm like you know I'm, I'm like i'm like oh like i forgot a mask so i don't know if i'll be able to you know give an enforcement with certain places i don't know if i'll be able to get into like the supermarket by my place so maybe i'm just mm-hmm. going to get coffee and and i just kind of realized right it's just kind of like i mean that's that's it's the kind of small thing it, that example there but like the walls are closing in a little bit there mm-hmm. are there are a, a, a more and more uh you know immediate alterations to your everyday life and like uh, the rainbow monkey with the dildo uh, uh we're we'll just uh, straight into that <laughs> what a transition what a transition <laughs> uh, so what, what, is, what is that Okay, so there was this uh, London Library reading challenge for kids, and uh, there was this, uh, whatchamacallit, Mandinga Arts Company that did this uh, event where they hired these uh, costume performers, one of whom was, I assume it was a man, I'm not sure, it could have been a woman, dressed up in a rainbow-colored monkey costume with protruding nipples and what looks like a dildo, and... If I zoom in on it, it actually looks pretty realistic. Like it looks like it's darker, like it's redder at the tip than it is at the base. So pretty realistic looking uh, uh, penis sticking out of the monkey. So there's also kind of like pink streaks down the length of the dildo. They kind of maybe kind of evoke veins a little bit. It's, uh, you know, what what this costume kind of reminds me of actually is something that like uh, Nathan Robinson would wear. Right. Like the the. what is the fucking uh, the peacock outfit that he wears in these pictures? That's sick shit. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. It would not surprise me in the slightest if that sicko had something to do with this. And now I'm looking at another photo. I'm not sure if it's the same monkey. It looks like the same monkey. I don't know, Gio, if you uh, see this photo or not. It's the monkey in front of a little store, which is this German store. And it's showing its butt, you know, kind of like a baboon type butt. But all like the people around them, it's like there are these women, Muslim women wearing the veils. So it's a very, you know, now that I look at it, it almost looks like a joke. It almost looks set up. I cannot believe that this is real. Just in terms of like the actual photo that was taken, I sent it to you in the DMs, by the way, for you guys to take a look at it. But it's just too on the nose where we would have one culture from the Middle East, uh, you know, with the women in the burqas. And then right oh, next yes. to it, you would have this like it can't be real. I don't know. I refuse to believe this is real. It's it's too much. It's too on the Wait, nose. Is this the the rainbow monkey that was at the kids school this one yeah. i don't know it looks like yes. the rainbow yeah. monkey oh my god as if i need yeah. another reason to love how italy just beat the crap out of England. <laughs> yeah those people are some degenerates over in the uk for real they've over socialized them over civilized themselves to death but to me it's almost about not achieving the right balance alchemically speaking it's as if we have these two extremes on one hand we have the society where women are you know second class and they're covered in the uh, burkas uh and on the other hand you have this very decadent society with these people going around with uh, rainbow monkeys and dildos so it's as if it's a very caustic environment where we can't find the middle way. We can't find the middle path. It's just like all extremes. Well, and, and of course, and of course, I think both of those extremes are, are fueling each other, right? Like it's it's the perfect balance in the image, like you said. Mm-hmm. 
Um, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I mean, we didn't, we didn't, we didn't see the kind of influx of uh, of like uh, Muslim like refugees uh, that that the UK did, obviously. Mm. And so that that's definitely got to be like a huge a huge factor. I mean, what do you, okay. The question is right, because it's transgressing against a kind of puritanism, uh, 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 around these types of deals. And like, I mean, I would think that we're already well into the territory of just like that, that kind of stuff is just dead in the ground. And so what are you even rebelling against? But like, what does this even look like 10 years from now? You know what I mean? What, 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 what does that, what does that mm. look like in your mind then? Well, I also want to contrast before I answer, I also want to contrast this with, let's say, s festivals like fertility festivals in Japan, for instance, you know, where they have like these hmm. uh, chocolate, uh, chocolate dicks and stuff like that. Because when it comes to a lot of this stuff of a sexual nature and we could say, you know, we can't separate fertility festivals away from sexuality. Sexuality plays a role there. But what we can say is there's a lot of this Nick Jr. tier colors when it comes to modern society mixing up these very bright very loud uh you know and very stupid looking colors together with sexuality the combination of which creates this frankenstein monstrosity that's just you know it just looks very disturbing because like sexuality itself could play at very different levels like you have various anime for example you have one piece where there's a skeleton called brooke who asks for uh, women's panties you know and it's just like, OK, yeah, he's like a pervert skeleton. Ha ha. You know, like it's nothing. It, it's not it's not the same as when you would have these demonic looking uh, drag queens that are portrayed as being something noble. It's yeah, as if nobody could criticize it, you know, while in one piece, by the way, in one piece, they do have like uh, the drag queens and they are seen as something, you know, kind of ridiculous, kind of silly looking. And it's OK to uh, make fun of them. There's not the same kind of sacredness that's used as a shield, which I think we're seeing a lot here in the West, where it's not just these very off-putting colors together with sexuality but it's also the combination of that and that being used as a shield to prevent any criticism of it as if it's like beyond criticism and another example i saw of that was this uh, frank hassel video where he was at a uh, gay pride parade and he was following around this guy who was dressed in the bondage uh, like the dog bondage costume you know the, the one i'm talking oh, about play. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yes. The pup, the pups and that guy <laughs> in the pup suit, like and the guy who was walking him, they looked so serious. You know what I mean? Like there was this there was this extreme seriousness to the way that they handled themselves. They could not bring it to make fun of themselves and to realize this is just so fucking ridiculous. Like like, yes, of course, this is funny. Like, I get it. It's like, no, it was very serious. And I, I'm curious why you guys think that is, because that would kind of answer what I think is coming down the road. I think that if it's not stopped, there's going to be more of an emphasis on how serious and how kind of like quasi-religious all of this is, that it cannot be made fun of. Mm -hmm. I think everyone has that problem to a degree now. Um, I think part of it has to do with like this culture of being like trying to be the most educated and most knowledgeable person on any topic in the room at all times. It also extends over to like your own identity to a degree. So people are like not very comfortable with just like sometimes making a fool of themselves or sometimes uh, being in a place where they don't really look like the most like of high esteem. I think everyone could kind of use in front of themselves a little bit more and taking themselves a little lighter. Definitely.
and that's sure. what we kind of try to do with uh, BTR, where we break each other's balls all the time. I mean, I know that Gio and I, we don't agree on certain things, and I love that. Like, I, it would not be the same if all of us were just uh, in line. I mean, you know about that as well, Gio, right? Like, uh, there are things yeah. that we don't agree with, but it's, uh, but it's no, all... But like, yeah. well, what you were saying, I think that's indicative of the evolution of like the camp aesthetic that has really taken off into the mainstream because mm-hmm. it's such an easy tool of well i mean it go i think it goes beyond just like pr and marketing but it's just um an easy template to sort of form a very like massified version of like global subjectivity now everyone's living in what does e michael jones call it the big uh the global gay disco or something like that. Uh, the global homogenous disco, if you will. Mm. So. But but didn't that disco, at least in its first instances... Global homo n- disco, if you will. Exactly. <laughs> but, didn't, but didn't it, in its first instances, not treat itself that seriously? Like, yeah. it was all right for I mean, I, think the, I mean, you know, the, the first thing that comes to mind is, like, John Waters, right? Like, imagine... Mm. Yeah. imagine like, a, like mm. if, if there was, like, if there was, like, a John Waters that were to come out of today's society, he would just... Probably be disciplined or whatever into being just as sanctimonious and like painfully earnest. I almost struggle to even say as like your fucking Ava DuVernay's and and uh, and Hannah Gadsby's of the world. I mean, oh, I mean, I mean, think about like Nanette, that Gadsby special, right? Where like, li- I mean, it's just it's basically just like a it's like a mixture between a TED talk and a struggle session that has nothing remotely to do with actual comedy outside of the fact that the entire thesis of it is just that like because of her identity group, she cannot be expected to make self-deprecating jokes anymore because it's like reactionary or something. I think the the answer, the, the, the answer that I kind of stick to generally in my mind is just that, um, uh, and, and I'm not entirely sure why, but I think we overvalue transgression, right? I think that, I think that we overvalue transgression and it's, it's kind of hollow. Like that's one thing in Angela Nagel's book that I remember really liking, but she, she's just talking about just like, yeah, like transgression is, is, it's kind of just a blank canvas. Right. And so like, you know, when people saw like the dissident right come up online, they it broke their fucking brain because like counterculture and transgression was always like, that's something we do for the left. And it's and it's something that's that's morally virtuous. Right. You see this play out um, in in all of these various broads that have academically studied punk rock online. Right. <laughs> no. it's, yeah. Yeah, you, you can't be a punk unless you follow this certain uh, ethical code. Um, and like, I don't really know that like Gigi Allen would have agreed with that. Uh, right? Um, what, and, what is going on today? There is no, I swear to God that the moment, like one second before you said the name Gigi Allen, I thought of Gigi Allen. There's some kind of synchronicity going on today. Well, it might be due to the fact that this is like our third hour talking to each other now. <laughs> You're locked but, in now. Yeah, we're on similar wavelengths. I, I, my heart goes out to COH and CRK because they are they are just <laughs> they're jumping into the double dutch a little bit late well, here. I have, oh, man, I I'm have enjoying one to it. pick with CRT though. Sorry, CRK. Gio, you know that's mad funny because uh, Mommy Milker's uh, moniker. Is, is, yeah. I don't know if you guys have had her on. She's been on ours. She calls me CRT all the time. She types it out. And was I'm just Mommy like, Milker's on on Feb? Oh, I have to watch. Yeah, that. she was on once. Yeah, yeah. And she she, she, she calls me on. CRT, and I'm like, 
is that critical race theory? Like, what is that? <laughs> what is that for? But that's why well, I changed well, it's my name. a good friend of it's, mine. It's class redux theory. Well, yeah. Well, I changed it to critical race uh, killer. You know, that's, that's what I changed it to. <laughs> critical base theory. That mm. could be the title. Wait, but you, you're saying that you have, a bone, you have a bone to pick. Oh, no. I mean, there is something about... Oh, God. Did, did my Canadian come out? God, um, huh. no, about women working, but no, it's not a big point. I think that I think when we were talking um, uh, about transgression, I don't agree with the sort of take that people like. I mean, Nagel is right, and but there's other people, you know, like Paul Just Watson that say the new punk rock. Um, is the that, right. Yeah. The, the yeah. right is the new punk rock. Yeah, I, I disagree. He looks that. pretty sexy as a woman, though. I don't know if you yeah, guys saw <laughs> the face app that here, I'm going to send it to you guys um, as well. But oh, no, I it. think that I don't think that transgression is relative as such. I mean, is there's a there's a degree of relativity depending on whatever is the current like social gist. But I think that at the end of the day, there's something at the heart of transgression that isn't relative per se. And I think that when like people like us, like when like people like on my side of the aisle start to think in terms of transgression, I think that should be treated as, you know, within like post-modernity or hyper-modernity, that should just be treated as a temporary tool and that it's really order that we're trying to, but then, but that's even relative in itself because I think that order is not something you can just like LARP till you make it. And so you like, could, return, I, I don't know. So, 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 so uh, forgive me if I lost the thread here a little bit, but you think that there is kind of an internal virtue to transgression in a way, like it's not just a blank canvas is what you're saying. I think, yeah, I think that transgression is always at its heart co- in tandem with like the mother of chaos itself, mm. but on a deeper Create, sort of creative destruction, level. kind of like Kali, for instance. Yeah, but transgression isn't transgression is a means to an end. It's not the end in itself. Yes, it's a it's yeah. a it's a utility. Right. Mm. Um, exactly. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that I think that you know we were talking we were talking on the stream right about um, about uh, like just how kind of bloated uh, like academic institutions have become and everything. And I and I think that I think that transgression like has probably like a really big part of it. Right. Is that I think like once something becomes like, you know, you get the sense you came, we all <laughs> the, the Tony Soprano moment of like, maybe we all kind of came in at the end of the story a little bit. And that <laughs> when we, when we came in the, con- the, the frontiers were already conquered. Right. Yeah. And so the best yeah. you can do is look back and, and kind of critique how those frontiers were conquered. Mm, um, I, I, I still think that that's sort of a, how should I put this? It's sort of a Truman show thing where I think that we have this false illusion that the frontiers have been conquered and maybe mm-hmm. they have been conquered in terms of the frontiers of the uh, known earth. Although there's argument to be said about what's under the oceans, what's under the ground, you know, Agartha, all that kind of stuff. But I, I, am, I, am, I am happy to, to hop into a sub and uncover the sunken city of Rilia and awaken Cthulhu <laughs> for sure. For sure. Uh, go, but, go ahead. But this go ahead. is all like the, the essence of what Baudrillard said in After the Orgy, the one essay, is that when you when you've sort of exhausted um at least materially the capacity for transgression, then you have to almost invent ways in which you transgress. <laughs> but the invention well, who of say, it who's saying inventing like Agartha's dance. real. Agartha's real, dude. Nobody's talking about inventing anything. <laughs> oh, God. Well, no, I mean I- 
I, I what, think what would be comes, a, yes. What would yeah. be an example of manufacturing something to uh, transgress against? Well, I think that we we live in a world where desire itself has become. I mean, this again, this is like your basic Marxist point is that. We live in a world where desire is manufactured wholesale, but also the desire for transgression itself against an imagined social enemy is also. And I know like a certain someone had this take recently who I'm not going to name, um, but he had a point. Um, I'm referring to a certain uh, as a portly gentleman myself. Um, you know who I mean? But he had a point but about this, how was this perhaps was this perhaps a, a, a portly a certain, gentleman that we uh, talked about earlier with an affinity for a, a certain German idealist thinker? Um, uh, yes. OK, I think <laughs> I think that it's apt what he said about. But it's it's kind of a basic point that the the sort of social discourse around the enemies of the regime, let's call it is uh. fictitious because the people that they're rebelling against have no sort of actual material social power whatsoever or cultural power or even political power for that matter. Even during, I would argue, the Trump era, did they actually have material political power? I, I would think not in a lot of ways. Wait, during the Trump era, who, who, who well, were like, the... Let's say the right, the trads, the, the, the incels, the, you know, like, I mean, let's... Let's go down the gamut of, you know what I mean? I think that it's a lot of what's happening right now on social media. A lot of what is taken up as the hot button issue of the day is entirely being maybe not manufactured in a conspiratorial sense, but there's certainly a lot of different things that are out of human hands, let's say. That are going oh, on. There's yeah. a lot of discourses oh. that are being. Sorry, Sierra Cam. Yeah, yeah. No, no. I, I think I think you're right on the money because this is something that I've thought about recently. Is like you know I think we all sort of saw an Obama media lull coming, like that mm. time where it's just like you know they can't say anything. Once Trump's in or someone who's not supposed to be in, then they're you know every day is you know threat level orange hysteria. But now that they've got somebody in that they want in, it's all peaceful and quiet. Uh, sort of I wouldn't say it's right. all peaceful and quiet, though. We've had uh, various uh, robberies that have been occurring, at least I think. No, in, uh, no, I, don't, I don't mean I don't mean like literally peaceful and quietly. I mean, I mean, in their perspective, like the way they yeah. want to portray things, like mm. things are going well now. So no, yeah, yes. good now. <laughs> right. Inflation. What inflation? That's a <laughs> yeah. right wing talking point in their mind. Yeah. In their mind that the world has been corrected and there's there's no real problems right now. I think in this space where it's sort of like a lull. This is where you really, this is what I see is people just saying shit that is just like off the wall. Just, you you know what the incentives are. It's likes, it's faves, it's very like yeah. measurable metrics. Say some crazy shit and you'll probably get more faves for it. If it's really like strange and controversial or just, you know, off the wall or, you know, counterintuitive. If you say it and there's just a little bit nugget of truth somewhere in there, you get fucking crazy faves. Like that's that's the whole game. That's the take economy. That's why people like uh, Alexander Dugan so much. Oh, love, please. Um, <laughs> so in my country right now, he says these things just to piss me off. Um, in my country now, we're literally going like churches are literally burning by the dozens because of a non-event. Which what your I mean, country is, is 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 the great north of Canada. Yes, mm, the yeah. of of the first post. Do you know what happened to country. those kids? Because they had those graves known, they found. But as far as happened, how they died, they've known what happened to these kids since the 1920s. Okay, that's like okay. Let me just really quickly before I step on anyone's toes. Um, I think that of course I you know we should have just left them alone in my opinion to their own devices. 
But let's say what's what I mean by a non-event is that we've known that these graves have been there for quite a while, since at least the 1980s. A lot of those kids died from normal childhood illnesses that clipped a lot mm. of kids before germ theory. Um, and there was... Wait, wait, so then astonishing why cases of abuses and so forth. Oh, well, yeah, that, that's not good. The abuses no, but the, the discourse around like mass graves and like, you know, they, they honestly believe like the Catholic Church and it's always the Catholic, it's never the Anglican Church, obviously, because they don't know the difference. Um, yeah. <laughs> they, they believe that like, I don't know, we put them in because when you hear the term mass grave you think of like the holocaust you know yeah you think of like jews being bulldozed into pits you know what i mean but yeah what happened was these graves weren't maintained (laughs) over the years they were basically paupers graves like a lot of destitute populations that die under the government care and i do say government because they were sub the churches were subcontracted to raise these kids because they basically you know back in the day churches controlled most of hospitals and schools and other what we know now as government institutions, but it really was the RCMP that were taking these kids, the, like the Canadian, the Canadian equivalent of the FBI, put it that way. Um, And so they were shipping them, which they really should have done. I think if they were to have kept these residential schools near the reserves themselves, it would have been different. But what I mean by a non-event is that for some reason, maybe because either inflation or the next election or some other like catastrophe that the media is covering up because you have to realize in Canada, the media is at least partially state run because of our state broadcast to the CBC. Um, They're really spitting a narrative that is deflecting blame from the government itself and towards the churches. And the sad part is a lot of these churches being burned are on reservations themselves that are attended mostly by, by indigenous people themselves. Mm. And so what I mean by a non-event creating perception that leads to actual physical real world violence i think that it's really indicative i mean it's really blackpilling in some ways because to question certain narratives is nigh impossible like even just right now um like again i'm as much against the residential schools as anybody but what's happening right now and the fact that politicians and media people are supporting it like there was this uh person in in uh, british columbia that was a high-ranking government official that was like you know gonna burn more of them like literally so it's and apparently this woman was an indian trying to larp as an indigenous person so that was funny well who are the people who are burning them down oh white antifa mostly i i think maybe like a few probably a few native uh, indigenous activists but i guarantee you it's probably like the typical you know yeah, college age antifa it's people. never the people that it's actually proclaimed to be yeah, for that yeah. are doing any of these things well this is interesting because this is something that i've wanted to talk about on the show for a couple of weeks now since the story came out and um i mean yeah i, I just because i wanted to i wanted to kind of clarify it a little bit like you said i mean you kind of laid it out fairly well there but uh so evidence of mass graves at a lot of these schools and, and these schools were basically where you take um you you know you take you take native kids and you you basically put them in these schools it, it was kind of like a um, uh like you're civilizing it was like uh, the liberalism of that day where they were trying to like white man's yes. burden them yeah 
Yeah. And, um, and, and basically, and basically you find, uh, in some cases, uh, there are mass graves. In some cases you, you see, you see, uh, I believe like, uh, like indication and, and clues that, that indicating a mass grave, uh, like you said, we've, we've known about these for a while. I mean, this was a practice that happened. I don't know if it was beat for beat the exact same way, but like we did this in the States as well. Right. Well, you did um, it to a much greater, <laughs> like you oh, like yeah. legit tried to, genocide them but the, but well I mean, yeah, I mean usa number one yet again who's counting well i mean i am because well, USA the, number the thing one, is but. The, the mass graves <laughs> there there were grave markers because these kids and this is another thing these kids died over a period literally of a hundred years like it's mm. not um it, well, it was you know well and so this is this is just to finish pretty point. this is this <laughs> not to say it was right obviously but well, was, this is the main this is the main thing though right is yeah. that because i was just talking with somebody about this right and like from what i understand a lot of these kids it's 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 neglect and poor conditions a lot yes, of these kids died yes. of like of like tuberculosis and shit like that right and typhoid fever and yeah and uh, exactly yeah. which is which paints a very different picture than as we kind of uh, spoke on a second ago bulldozing you know, loves people in pits sorry exactly. sorry Exactly. Right. Oh, was this uh, was this the kind of situation where the typhoid fever was something that uh, could have been treated if there, people had the was, resources? No. The, yeah. They, yeah. I'm, yeah. Well, uh-huh. Go ahead. Go, go ahead. There was this one um, virologist in the twenties that examined a lot of these bodies, and he said that the the native children in the res- sorry indigenous I have to say because of my country uh human uh you know you don't want to get raked yeah yeah um so there was they he compared indigenous children that were outside of the reservations to those within and they were dying at a higher but relatively similar rate now that could be explained by the poverty and neglect on reservations and in, in residential schools but it could also I think it could also be explained by the fact that European children have more of a genetic tolerance to certain things because exactly. of their hereditary. Yeah, exactly. Hence the, the, yeah. the blankets. Jer- Jer- Jared Diamonding this conversation. I think Jared then. Diamond actually did mention the yeah. North American indigenous people. Yeah. But I think that there was a horrendous legacy of abuse and neglect. And the fact that we did that in general is like a form mm. of cultural genocide. But I think that well, to well, just let solely me, blame yeah. the churches when it was a government program to me as a Catholic is like, you know what I mean? Like, I know well, what you're doing. Even, it, and not even mm-hmm. just and not even just um, Catholic. But but I see I see that the, the interest that I have in this, um, mm-hmm. I mean, outside of I mean, what's what's happening with these churches being burned down is, is like is is actively horrifying right hmm. um and i think it's a it's a really good example i started to use the word good but it's a good example of kind of one thing that let that completely disconnects with leftists online which is that their um activism apparatus uh is exempt from uh having the law applied to them yes uh, and, and and if they were to acknowledge that uh the house of cards and at least in some capacity would kind of come crashing I down think another uh, thing too i think oh did i cut you off seven verse you, you did you did hold that thought just to let me yeah, um but point is i uh i see this as kind of a parallel to the tulsa race massacre um mm. narrative mm. going on stateside in that these are both things that happened 
right? Um, the the Tulsa things it, it's a little bit different because basically the 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 new version of the narrative is being fully extrapolated by by what's essentially just conjecture about um, this Tulsa thing. I keep hearing about it, but I, I have yet to research um, what what is what happened. They killed people there. Yeah. So so as, as essentially they, given the bird's eye summary here um, town, I don't even know what fucking state it's in town of Tulsa. Oklahoma? Right? Is it Oklahoma? Oklahoma. I believe yeah. so. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, there was, there was, there was basically a, uh, a somewhat moderate district in this town of black owned businesses. Right. Mm -hmm. And basically there was a riot surrounding the arrest of a black man. Um, and basically a crowd gathered outside of the police station. Things kind of spiraled out from there. A huge fucking riot ended up breaking out and like the whole neighborhood lynchings like, and all of that you name it right and the whole neighborhood burned to the fucking ground right oh man um so 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 uh, uh you know as is the case with with most of these things uh goes without saying i would think uh absolutely horrible terrible thing right um what's happening now is that um you know i was actually talking to marek um uh, from good old boys about this he was telling me you know like just just look up accounts of this stuff um you know from even 10 years ago and it seems like the most reactionary shit by comparison um the story is being rewritten at light speed right now basically because conjecture of potential mass graves that haven't been uncovered yet they were going to oh, be inspected before covid and they still haven't been um and so basically what you're seeing is uh like the new watchman series that came out opens oh, on a drama yeah i know uh, oh, opens uh, i mean this is like imperial myth making uh, <laughs> yes it, exactly i mean it, i mean it, it literally is it opens on a dramatization of the massacre which again i'm not contesting happened but but with this conjecture the 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 uh death count is up to like 300 or something like that oh, which is like several orders of magnitude higher than it had ever been right and so and so just see uh, six million at this point just say six million black oh, people god damn it Gio. your I'm father's sorry. right your father's right shut, no, shut. <laughs> for those who don't know my old man invaded our uh, the live stream once and he's like was never mind never mind calling no, me no, 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 you gotta tell it now no you gotta tell it i was fighting okay so i was finishing a wood engraving and then he like he's like you live right now i go yeah it's a sunday he's like i like literally couldn't wrestle the microphone from him in time and he's like, Lev, I'm so sorry. My son's an anti-Semite. Don't listen to him. Because, <laughs> like, my old man's a boomer conservative. Like, But also, but also your father offered a deal where um, he would pay $100 in Patreon money uh, to do a debate about Israel with you. Do you imagine me just felting my old man on Israel? <laughs> Oh man, you're being very presumptuous there, Gio. You, you, that you're no, going to be the one doing the calling. You can't do that to your old man. <laughs> <laughs> He's adamant about it, so I don't know. No, but I mean, what? <laughs> uh, move, on, do move, it. On, move on, move on, move on. Yeah, segue, segue, segue. Fuck, I'm anxiety attack. Um, 
Okay. I mean, do you guys want to, do we want to pick up, um, do we want to pick up what we were talking about, about dreams earlier? Cause yeah, I know we were oh, yeah. put, putting the well, pin I th- into I that. Think actually, I can relate one to the other and here's how the Galactic oh. Federation. No, no, I'm not talking about Israel. I'm talking yeah, about I you were going to say, uh, reading from my dream journal, 2015, <laughs> I am a small Palestinian child. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Lord. Okay. Well, actually, I am curious if I had any dreams about that, but no. Okay. So the point that I'm getting to when it's... I will tonight. The point that I'm getting to when it comes to the Galactic Federation is I think that we are all in a dream, that we are all in a thought, that everything... Like, I'm one of these people who believes that thoughts are able to change reality. So I'm kind of... uh, What would you call it? You know, it's it's kind of idealist. No, I'm no, no, fuck idealist. I'm not an idealist. I think that our thoughts are able to like our intentions are able to change things to a certain extent, not to a great extent, but to enough of an extent that at least for our own lives, certain things end up happening. At least I've seen that in my own life. Synchronicity, whatever you want to call it. So when it comes to things being out there in uh, space, being out there beyond us, I do think that all of it at the end of the day, if you go down to like, what is the base ingredient of all of existence? I think that it is thought. I think it is ideas. I think that it's this Jungian archetypical ideascape. And we are all these ego beings that think that we are separated, even though we're all one, but that's intentional for us to feel what it is like to live this particular life that we're in. So back to the alien galactic federation, whatever you want to call it, I think that they are waiting for us to discover, at least according to that Israeli space guy, to discover what space is, because according to him, we don't even know what space is. And I think one of those uh, great leaps would be when we figure out that a lot of these things that we're experiencing in the dream world, astral plane, whatever you want to call it, that these things could be just as real and just as heckin' valid, for lack of a better term, when it comes to uh, how, you know, what exactly all this is about. Okay, so I want to ask a question immediately hot off the heels of that. Mm-hmm. When you say we don't know what space is, that that statement is just an interesting premise in and of itself to me. Um, what could space be other than how we think of it now i mean basically i guess an empty parking lot of matter like what what do you what do you mean by that can you speak to that a little more sure and keep in mind i'm not a scientist i'm just uh this is one of these things uh, like that meme from uh uh jojo you know this is bullshit but i believe it you know it's one of those things and uh what it means to me is that i think that space and this is gonna sound so fucking hippy dippy i think space is like pure consciousness that solidified itself into this pattern that yes. we're used to today. Oh, and I so think that based. And yes. I think that we are all aspects of this. Space isn't real. It's just a projection by the uh, the reptilian. Yeah, no, like a ho- yeah, like a holographic <laughs> uh, holographic projection or whatever you want to call it. But the point, like the reason why it's important for me to uh, talk about this kind of stuff is that I've been having a lot of these meditative experiences. Uh, you know, doing the Wim Hof method, doing various breathing techniques, where a lot of the stuff that they write about in the uh, books, uh, you know, all these Hindu texts, they talk about the third eye, the chakras, all that shit. I'm able to see that uh, third eye, or at least it looks very similar to the depictions of the third eye in a lot of these texts, where there is like actually like this bright light that you see in the center, and out of that bright light, various other psychedelic things start protruding. And to me, like what that means is that human beings, when we said in the very beginning of the show that we are fallen, 
I believe that we are also fallen in terms of certain extrasensory abilities that we lost uh, touch of, where yeah. if yeah. we were to regain them, that would be kind of like going back into the Satya Yuga. To me, the Satya Yuga, you know, talking about like the cycles of history, you would have like the Golden Age, the Silver Age, uh, Bronze Age, Stone Age that we're in right now, if we go by that. The Golden Age, Satya Yuga, would be the age of truth. Truth meaning that we're not going to be able to hide things from each other. It's all going to be very open. You're going to know what everybody around around you is thinking at all times because you understand that you are all branches of the same root. You know what I mean? Like, that's the kind of thing that I want to get to. You want to get to the end of Evangelion where we're all uh, orange tang (laughs) together. Exactly. Or orange tangy goodness. No, but it doesn't have to get to that level. It should at least get to the level where we understand that we are all one creature that's communicating with itself as a, uh, you know, like pretending Mm -hmm. to be differentiated things. Because I do think Bible. most people didn't even speak Latin that the Bible was. Give it time. I think I think that a big part of what you're describing um, and kind of like a move towards because because it's Pandora's box, right? It's Pandora's mm-hmm. box. You, ca- you can't put it back. Um, I think that a big part of what you're saying of moving towards a future of more unity and not like hands across America, no. but like but like Borg cube unity, but maybe maybe less quality. No, nothing that disgusting, by the way, I, I'm I, against. Well, that's what I was saying. Nothing qualitative like that. That's just the the orange goo in Evangelion is not presented in a very good way either. But like, but, you know, like in a in a in a way that isn't good or bad, but is right. It is. Um, But see, that's the problem. That's why the the sort of uh, the neoliberal regime has in a lot of ways adopted and sort of um, how shall I put this profaned and inverted a lot of like new age mysticism to their advantage. I mean, corporate mindfulness comes to mind because Mm. you've already have a ready made sort of global consciousness that is integrated into the mindset of the hippie or the beats before them. Now that they've entered like the, now that the boomers, when they solidified their positions in the corporate world and academia and so forth and government, they took a lot of those, they didn't completely abandon their hippiedom. They just sort of perfected the large, to the degree that it can become a marketable thing that has a lot of beneficial from the standpoint of a globalist a lot of like beneficial aspects to it and so that's my biggest concern with this preaching about some sort of global understanding or unity i mean as as a rightoid i'm inherently skeptical of that project i'm skeptical too so, I mean, so, I'm so not like, saying it's gonna work. Oh yeah, I mean, I think that all that new age shit, I think all that Orientalism shit from the Boomer and Beat generation, I think is just like a, a nice. I think it was it's misappropriated. A well, I, th- yeah. I think it's a nice coat of paint to update Western liberalism. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. Getting getting a little getting a little more mileage out of your car by slapping a shitty coat of paint on it or something. And, and, and a free Tibet sticker. Uh, <laughs> exactly right. And uh, well, they don't have those anymore because Tibet is too uh, problematic. So that's it's because because Tibet is uh, yeah. Well, right. Um, so isn't Tibet like feudal or something? Yes, yeah, it's a based uh, theocratic monarchy. Yeah. So so fuck. I'm losing my train of thought. My point is, you're you're talking about this this kind of unity. Uh, for for the future, right? And like, in a way, but I'm not talking about kumbaya tier unity. What I'm talking about is I know, I know. People, we've addressed we've addressed yeah, the, the, yeah. the like you know a- apply qualitative judgments at your own risk. I, I get that, right? Let me just get my get my thought out here. Go for which it. Which is you know we 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 on the stream earlier I, I, we talked about McLuhan a little bit, right? And like media mm. environments. 
um and, and like and and we had limited it kind of to just like social media but like he himself had really talked about like fucking written languages as a media environment and things like that right and i think like what is happening right now with covid and the ideological onslaught and all these psyops that's going on is a kind of like maybe cramming before the exam hyper overdrive working toward what you are talking about that kind of unity that will not be judged as good or bad um and i and i think that i think that it's it's kind of doomed to fail because it's existing in a media environment that just doesn't have the capability to achieve what we're talking about here now that isn't to say that i think that that future is wholly impossible right i don't know what innovation tomorrow could bring but i think that as it is right now right i mean i mean basically basically what this overdrive and conditioning program is is the same thing it's been the last few decades just with like more and more and more mk ultra fucking talking points just drilled into normies heads um but like but i see it happening i see well, that kind of go ahead well no the, yeah i was gonna say like they're i'll finish your point i'm very sorry uh, no no I, I i mean i basically was at the end i just didn't really know how to like land on my feet with it well, uh, no, yeah no, I, I think you landed like a cat so you, you, did, uh, you did a great Be- job there beautiful well, the, 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 the apex point. predator <laughs> yes exactly the, the last point about um People's sort of natural inborn eidetic consciousness has taken place to the sort of the how shall I put this? The sort of like sloganeering and the um linguistic the linguisticification uh, <laughs> of images themselves, because a lot of the images we're seeing in the era of the uh, you know, um Chinese bat lung herpes, the Chinese imported delicacy is the sort of the the word overtaking the image in the sense of the slow, literacy. Yeah, like it's a sort of like hyper literacy to the point of promoting unliteracy, if that makes sense, mm-hmm. to where everything mm. is mashed down into its component parts. So like, you know, do your part, get the vac, stuff like like the sort of cheap yeah. sloganeering that we find in a lot of different And that's a good thing. Teams. Yeah, and that's yeah, I mean I of course in Canada, like the messaging is ten times more insane than America. But um I bet. But the, the about dreams, I think like the reason people are so um captivated by and even before this all happened, even a few years before at least. Of course I was into young before uh you know the lobster man uh way before actually that's the dragon bucko <laughs> yeah geo <laughs> geo i got i got one fucking question for you brother yeah go ahead you clean your room today actually yeah i've been spending the past few days cleaning my studio like rearranging everything so nice um i think that like the reason people are so captivated by things like depth psychology nowadays is because in a lot of ways we're sort of forced to internalize that sort of I and me consciousness. And we're sort of forced to look inwards and even what we're doing right now, like communication on the, uh, sort with these digital interfaces, either through like zoom or through discord or wherever, uh, or even text messaging, it's very much easy to disassociate the subjectivity of another person by running even when you're seeing someone on a face cam there still is this uncanny valley aspect to it because our like literal like hundreds of thousands of year old you know lizard brain is not used to seeing someone on a black screen but when it comes 
it's interesting when it comes to dreams, what I wanted to say is that dreams problematize a lot of thinking around, um, like, let's say, 20th century existentialism and phenomenology and also um, the New Age shit. Because it it almost reaffirms a sort of like a philosophic point would be it reaffirms like a sort of Cartesianism, because now you have the separation between who you are in a dream and who you are in terms of conscious presence. And you can't really reduce the subject to full presence because there's a part of you that is unconscious that can't be readily accessed at any given moment the way I can like hold my hand out and grab a bottle of water or I can um I can vivisect myself in such a degree on a material level. So it, it I mean, you know, what this reminds me of a little bit is the um, is the I don't know if you guys saw, but this uh, this this TikTok video of this woman who had uh, neo pronouns indicated oh by her yeah. rubber oh. wristbands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And oh, which, is, which is which essentially I mean, it has nothing to do with actual gender or identity. And it has everything to do with just needing to put a static name and title on fleeting emotions. But that's the thing, like, that's why, like, existentialists like Sartre, like, you know, famously didn't believe in an unconscious because maybe there could be like some kind of like genetic affect there. But like, for example, okay, so there was this one uh, phenomenologist, uh, Merleau-Ponty, who had this thing about when you touch your hand with your other hand, you're still touching your hand, right? Like, you're still, there's no reducible eye of subjectivity that can separate itself in sort of like an objective way and say that like, I mean, maybe if you like do the fucking, um, you sit on your hand thing, but even still you can sort of feel <laughs> yourself get touched, but you could still feel that it's your hand. You could still, mm. there's still that sort of what, what Merleau-Ponty was getting at was that, and I'm butchering it. Obviously it's been years since I've read this, but mm. um, there's always a consciousness of something. That's the basic phenomenology, phenomenology point that consciousness is consciousness of something. But what, um, what Merleau-Ponty did is he took that further and he said that consciousness always is in a totality among your body and your lived experience and your memory and everything. So there is no separation between a lot of these different things. And of course, I'm butchering it. But what happens in dreams is that there's a very clear separation between experiencing yourself as a subject and seeing yourself in a third person lens. So dreams in a lot of ways, if we were to take like the, you know, more hippy dippy metaphysical explanation and say that dreams are explanation. Yeah. Like dreams are an objective thing that where your consciousness is set, your soul is separated from the body in some respects, because now you're living an experience that's entirely internal and has no, external element but i do think that dreams in some ways do have an external element because Mm. there is precognition and synchronicity and so forth but that being said uh, it problematizes like material being itself because there's so much other things going on in dreams so yeah sorry love i'll cut you off yeah so um there was this guy who i mentioned before arian cowboy who was on a btr he's a (coughs) fly my throat He's been gone for a while now, rode off into the sunset on his uh, horse. But uh, back when he was on, he used to tell me, well, first of all, Slav, he told me that he thinks that a lot of the Antifa people who are around uh, Washington State, uh, like around, uh, what do you call it, Olympia, around all these, uh, you know, uh, hive centers for Antifa, he thinks Mm. that a lot of them were uh, were possessed by the nature spirits there that. uh, okay. Oh, go ahead. Oh, looks like he may have dropped out. 
Oh, he did drop out. out. God damn it. What a fucking. Oh, there uh, you go. Oh, here we go. I'm back. Sorry, I was, was going to say, I was like, what a much. fucking cliffhanger, dude. You had, you, had the, you had the alum of uh, Evergreen College uh, cutting your mic there. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, no problem there. I am back. So say, I was say, saying earlier. Yes. I'll say really, really fast. It's, it's very, is this a good time for me to just interject a small little anecdote or do you want to finish? Go for it. Okay. I was going to say, it's just very interesting. You said that because we've talked about evergreen before that's evergreen college right around Olympia. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, you know, where you know, your Brett, Brett Weinsteins are from and all, and all that. And um, it, it's, it's interesting. Cause I've, cause I've known a few people that went there. I like, I knew people through that, that, that experienced all the weird hullabaloo over the last few years there. And you bring up sp- natural spirits in that area that, that had some sort of possession. And it's just very interesting because I also know that those areas, I don't know if I believe that theory completely. Right. But those mm-hmm. areas do have like a really common tradition more than the areas, you know, a little further North where I'm from do of, of like bringing shamans in to kind of perform cleansing rituals and, mm. and things and like that. Is, what was that? Wendigo. Wendigos. A lot of them are there. Yeah. Jordan Peterson, Wendo psychosis. Do not research. No, do not Google. <laughs> what the fuck? Is, okay. All right. All right. <laughs> you know, with his whole meat eating and well, I'm not going to get into it. It wasn't right now. Benzos. It was a Wendigo that possessed. Him. Yes. No, but the point, the point that I'm getting to with these nature spirits is you have in traditional shamanic societies, you have these funny looking masks that the shamans, where where if you look at these mushroom masks or any mask you would think oh what am i supposed to be fooled by that like if oh i was a God, spirit mushroom yeah oh if God. i was a spirit would i be fooled by this mushroom uh, uh funny looking mushroom uh, mask of course are we, are not. we gonna go on, are we gonna go on a logo daedalus mushroom wojack rant here i'm gonna save that i'm gonna save that for the expert but, uh, <laughs> that's gonna be the anti-oedipus stream <laughs> Yes, exactly. But when it comes when it comes specifically to these um, to these masks, humans like you and I, if we were to see those masks, we wouldn't be freaked out. It's like, oh, some dude's wearing a mask. Keep in mind that if we were to go through this whole idea of these nature spirits existing, these would be the spirits of animals. Animals, they have instincts, but they're not that bright, you know, like they they follow. They're like the fingers of the hand, so to speak. You know, you ever see a school of fish making, you know, tremendous looking um, moves under the water or like a herd of zebras running. It's like all of this stuff. This is all instinct, but it's not like they're aware of it. So if they see some weird looking shaman dude wearing a mask, they'd be frightened. They wouldn't know like, oh, my God, this is like some horrible creature. You know what I mean? Like they wouldn't they wouldn't be able to be as rational about it as human spirits. So imagine you have all these drugged up people who come to the West Coast uh, to, uh, you know, uh, a place with their fellow um, brethren of Antifa. They do a lot of drugs. I bet that they're very easy to possess. I bet that it's very easy they for those possessed. people because I mean, yeah, they don't. I don't think they have strong willpower. And this is another thing, by the way, about well, like what I think space is, what I think reality is. I think that all of this is also a battle of will. 
And if you possess willpower, then you can get further up the spiritual hierarchy as opposed to somebody who's just like innocent, uh, playing with his ball and, you know, not really doing anything in terms of challenging oneself, which is why I don't necessarily look at people who have lived all their lives without, let's say, facing certain moral quandaries or dangers. And you could say, oh, they're such saints, you know, they'd never heard a fly. Or it's like they've never been in the kind of environment where certain things that they hold dear could be challenged wherein if you have somebody who was challenged if you have somebody who did stare into the abyss and was able to come out and learn something about themselves i say that that is much much higher level of a human being as far as they were able to overcome these experiences which is again why i think that ultimately this is all a human test this is all a test for all of us in terms of whichever levels we are on to test our willpower so that's the, that's the last thing that i'd say about that but i just kind of want to tie that into the whole thing with antifa because i think a lot of those people don't have that strong amount of willpower Sure. I mean, I think I think that I think that the idea that like someone has gone through their entire life without ever kind of having any kind of interfacing with their their, you know, and, and forgive me, I'm not I'm not as familiar with Jung as 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 maybe either of you guys are. But but the kind of the shadow self, right, the 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 kind the kind of confronting confronting aspects of yourself that that, that are um, problematic or something like that. I, I think I think that there is like a lot a lot to be gained out of that right and uh mm -hmm. i do know that i do know that like probably the most important experiences in my own life have been times when i wasn't the person that i think i should have been and mm -hmm. and, and and actually learning from that you know i think yeah, that sharpens the knife yeah exactly yeah. sharpens mm -hmm. the knife yeah and, and i think it, that's a great metaphor for it and i think that i think that it's absolutely um, no coincidence that these exact people were talking about, um, you know, these Antifa types and everything that that moralism in uh, like a pretty a pretty uh, superficial uh, idea of of morality at that yep. is such a huge part of it. Right. Um, it, you know, it, it's uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, yeah, that's my point. <laughs> And uh, when it comes to uh, no, I think that is a that is a beautiful well, point. Well, it's not relativism. That's the thing. It's a hypermoralism. There is this great article I recently. I think was it was it in American Mind. I forget who wrote it about how like when you are in a position of um, being a re being in rebelling against power, you end up adopting a form of relativism, a form of almost, you could say, uh, postmodern ironic detachment from moral norms. But when you are in a position of power, then you become very um, moralistic in that sense. And so when you trace like the new left until now, then you can see very readily that the whole uh, conservative bugaboo about the culture of relativism was just kind of like a misdiagnosis of the situation because what was waiting in the wings was a hypermoralism. Yeah. You could say. And that's, that's why a really like, interesting point that I've never heard before. That's that's a good though. I could look well, it up, it, but it was in it was in an article either in American Mind or I am seventeen seventy six. It wasn't my own writing. I I sadly sure. forget. That. Well, it's always just interesting because because the 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 criticism of moral relativism that is a lot more common among your kind of like normie conservatives, but if, in also, yeah yeah it is is one that has always struck me as certainly speaking to a 
a certain level of truth, but one that just it's just it feels like a tiny little vertical slice of a bigger piece. You yeah. know what I mean? Wait, there's well, conservatives to, that talk about moral relativism. Yeah, as kind of as what? kind of the primary ailments of the West, like as as that it, it, mm. it decays things. Oh, well, there was also that guy. There was also that guy in that movie, The Believer. Uh, do you remember that movie, Gio? Oh, yeah. So in that movie, he was talking about how he sees like the, you know, like the Jewish scientists like Einstein creating relativity. And it's like, you know, knocked everything out of balance. You know, like we used to be. But actually, in relation to that, uh, there is a Jewish. Uh, I, I, I'm not sure if it's in the uh, tour or not. No, I think this is just like there is like a Jewish proverb talking about how uh, God prefers greater greatly those people who have known like what it is like to sin and then realized that they were sinning and then, you know, amended themselves like, you know, my favorite part yeah, of that I, think, movie. I, think, I think that's actually a quote from uh, the dragon in Skyrim, actually. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite part of that movie where he was talking to the journalist. He's like us Aryan white men. We make women come with our cocks, but Jews, they got to make them come with their mouths. <laughs> and it's like, what the fuck? Like that's yeah. an unironic like Base. Paul Nazi argument. Yeah, Very dude. Honestly, honestly, man, moral relativism does lead to pussy eating, which I think we're all. No. We 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 got a lot of we got a lot of diversity of opinion here, but I think what we're all united. What do you guys think of the on... pussy eating? I think like I mean, it's kind of selfish to like yeah. expect them to do it to you and not do it to them. I don't know. Maybe I'm just well, look. Pretty pretty soon we may get to the point where it's going to be Wild West time again, and we're just going to have a bunch of cannibals roving the uh, streets like in the road, and they're going to be literally pussy eating. They're going to be eating <laughs> the pussies like the that are not able to make it. Song addicted to vaginal skin. That could be like. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't know that we've talked about the the cunnilingus on the show before. I'm I'd curious be to hear your guys' opinion. Yeah, are you guys uh, fans of sushi? <laughs> you know, I Uncle I, uh, June stick to the buckle <laughs> that you went to sushi. Dude, you're saying Junior's been whistling to the wheat fields? <laughs> He's a bushman to the Kalahari. <laughs> yeah, that's what it was. Holy shit. I'm so Classic happy you line. said that. That's Yo, like my I mean, favorite he, line. Stuff, he stuffs the cake in that woman's face because he just yeah, like Bobby. going around talking about him eating pussy and she, he's just like, Bobby oh was God. hot for her age. Holy crap. In this yeah, thing of ours, wrong. we don't do that. In this thing of ours. <laughs> why do you think, why is it gay to pleasure a woman? Because it makes you look weak, you know? <laughs> Oh, return. that's a, uh, return. <laughs> I'll say, I'll say, I'll say to be to be the first one to jump into this hard hitting issue. Not, not that I'm, I would know anything about. Never. Oh, never, oh never, knock it off with that oh, shit. Yeah. All right, knock it off with that's that. Wrong with it. You sound like a fed saying you never ate pussy. Come on. <laughs> Only a fed uh, would call himself an incel. <laughs> the fed's been whistling to the wheat fields. All right. Um, <laughs> I can't I can't go back to that well twice. <laughs> what if the feds are the real Jiga Chads and we're just like the soy jacks that we deride? That's I probably. think that's the truth. I think that's, <laughs> yeah. I think that's I the hard reality. Think, think of all the pussy the feds were getting back in Occupy Wall Street where they were pretending to be, uh, you know, these woke leftists back in the yeah, day. Yeah, really Richard Spencer got a... Uh, never mind, never mind. Listen, I think, I think every time you eat the pussy... You're you're taking an L. Our whole species as men is taking an L. 
Oh, I think, man. I think men should stop doing I should think men should stop uh, approaching women. I think we should stop responding to women's advances. Yeah, yeah. All of y'all, not me, me though. Leave them all stop for me. Doing that. Yeah. When they come at you and they're like, oh, hey, what's up? What? Don't, nothing. Just be like, nothing is up. Nothing. You, you know, by, by the way, Gio, I did have a dream uh, a couple of weeks ago where there were these uh, MILFs in my dream and uh, there were sexual acts going on. Maybe we had the same dream. Maybe we did. But do you know what the name of their uh, their their pussies were in the dream? They had a specific what? name. Yes. They had a, spe- a specific thing that they were referred to as in the dream. Well, what were they referred to as, Lef? They were referred to as pods. Pod? Oh, my God. <laughs> Oh my god! I'm not kidding. This is this kind is of like the mountain. Their clips were you bugs, have... so you're gonna go into the pod and you're gonna eat the bug. It, the pod really is the cosmic mother. When you, it's the consuming oh mother god. that Eric Newman uh, that's uh, eats her children. That's Jesus really what Christ. the pod is. All right, exactly. all right. I, I, <laughs> Slav, what do you think of pussy eating? I'm fine with eating pussy. I like eating pussy. It's fine, man. It's good. You know, you just want to uh, see their eyes roll the back of their head. And I, I like sexually pleasuring a woman. I think it's satisfying. I think it's enjoyable. <laughs> I think, I think that the big Lil thing Wayne, here, Slav, little Slav, Slav Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, that would be a funny. Uh, t- episode name uh uh what the fuck was i gonna say um no i mean i think that i think that the big thing about i think that the i think that the acidity causing throat cancer thing is really funny absolutely you know? i don't absolutely. really know bullshit to tell you the truth. Wait, does it depend on their diet because if they have a different diet no, maybe there's not gonna no, be as much they acidity think, they think because of h hpv that it's well, can, they, and also yeah. uh, it's gone beyond that. It's gone beyond it's mercury. Just it's mercury. It's the fish. The too much mercury is bad for you. <laughs> I, love, I love, like CRK is just full trickology when we talk about. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, uh, I was gonna say I think I think now we're past the halcyon days of of Michael Douglas talking about HPV causing it. We're yeah. we're fully into like vaginal discharge that is Wasn't found an alcoholic in, though. Oh, I mean, probably that, that like, get, because that would cause throat cancer more than like apparently HPV ain't that bad for men. I mean, it's bad for women, but I don't yeah, know. I mean, don't, do, it don't does take does my cause, advice. <laughs> it does cause throat cancer, but but also it's correlated. Yeah, with certain. I've had, I've had, I've had, I've had an experience where I was worried that I got HPV in the past. I was in the i was clear i was good uh but i remember because i'm a little i'm a very i know right i i'm a i'm like i said you know i'm 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 a paranoid guy right so Mm. i remember i went i i got the doctor's appointment and everything and they were like yeah so i mean like you can get hpv in in any number of, of of different places and everything but i remember them saying specifically like not that i was asking specifically about the throat but they were just kind of going down right i mean you go to a doctor they're basically just reading you a fucking wikipedia page right yeah, yeah pretty much web md yeah i don't respect doctors i don't respect doctors but um they're they're saying like you know cases of hpv yeah, like doctors. in fuck doctors dude the cases of hpv like in your throat are like really fucking rare are like yeah, really really fucking rare if you're and a it, lifelong smoker or drinker i'd be worried about throat cancer not not eating not eating pussy like it's in your diet you know 
Exactly. Now, the, now the main thing I want to get back to, though, uh, the main thing. Eating so much pussy, it's changing my nutrition. Mm. <laughs> well, well hey, pH levels are, are like this one. PH levels. I, there's a it goes a little something like this. I'm an animal, Hannah Montanimal, eating girls out to survive like a cannibal. Oh, oh. Is, it, is it like an... I, is that, I don't is that mean, from, is that listen, from a Cormac McCarthy book? No, that's, <laughs> that's from uh, Sick Animation. I don't know if you guys oh, like yeah, Mark yeah. M, Sick Animation. He's a, he's a really good animator. No, I'm not. I'm not a racist or anything. Maybe, but is it like an ethnic thing? Like, are certain ethnicities like? Do they have statistics about like are white men more likely to eat pussy, or is it like other races are not? Oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna call. I'm gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> Babe Ruth call a shot real fast. I would imagine Jews eat the most pussy. Oh, probably. I would imagine that Jews eat a lot of pussy. They get now, the hook and they get it down in there. It's a real nice oh. tool. Oh my god! Oh, 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 they got the nut. <laughs> Those boys. The I'm nose, say, the nose hits the clit if you think about it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, there's, a, there's a mechanical shit, reality. Right there. I got a hook. I don't even fuck. Yeah. I don't care. This is why yeah, we have to encourage women to uh, have sex with fat guys such as myself because it's kind of like riding the waves and it can just hit the right spots. You know? Oh, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Kind of a waterbed situation going yeah. on. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I'll say, God damn, I'm going to finish this fucking pussy eating point, okay? Because I need to speak my truth. To black, I'll say, no, I'm not even going to ask. Black, I'm sorry. I'm going gonna... to fucking kill you. I, and so <laughs> and so, so the, the main in my, thank you, uh, in Counter-Strike and Minecraft, whatever, right? It, the main thing about it, right, is that the, the need for a standard of cleanliness is mm. higher when eating pussy than it is for sucking a dick. Okay. That's very true. All right. I, ladies, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sure that you're a responsible gal. I'm sure the life of, you know, a, 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 a working lady, you're a part of the, 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 the labor force. CRK thinks that's good. I think that's bad. I like, <laughs> I, I think, you know, you get home. We from have to the get CRK on with Brittany Venti to argue this point. Because you, eat, oh, you yeah. eat a pussy, you're eating internally as a dick is external. So, you know, it's easier to wash. It's easier to maintain an internal, yes. you know, there's yeah. a hotbed for, for all types of bacteria and, you know, it's a completely no, different situation. No, bro. Like, like, like. I, I, I have no problem admitting. Like, no, dude. You have a couple times where you go down on a broad, and it's like, and it's like, Never. okay, like it's okay. <laughs> 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 well, maybe you excluded. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm a hotel. I've never done that. Before. I was just current present pharaohs excluded. Um, hey, we was kings. We we hey. never did that. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe. These white guys think that the receiver is the gay one. <laughs> we are gonna have we are gonna have Hotep Jesus coming in in uh, late oh. August, so we're gonna oh, ask him. What he he would you person. like to be on that stream? Dude, no. that's a big snag. Might be one to get on forever. Might be a little weird because I'm a I'm a, po- a fake uh, Hotep. I'm a poser. So might, be a little, just, might be a little awkward. Or we're, gonna gonna have, say, uh, we're gonna have Hotep Sophia on definitely. Ask him if he knows about white Hoteps. Hey. Okay, hey. No, bro, bro. This if needs he supports to be, the movement. This yeah. needs to be Coh's first appearance. Absolutely, <laughs> <laughs> really well. Really well. Really well. Really well. Really yes, Yakub, Doctor Yakub. They'll be like the center of the earth. Yes, these people. <laughs> <laughs> He'll be the young Jamie Wait, to Hotep Jesus. 
Oh, 100%. 100%. I think it's Plug Time and bl- God bless you, uh, CRK, uh, everybody, everybody here. Uh, you guys are CRK, beautiful. CRK, right opinion, have your slot. Yeah. Thank you guys. This has been such an honor and uh, many great guests you've you've had. And I, I try to fastidiously listen to as much Fed Post as I can. Um, but yeah, I mean, you're hey, on my mean- podcast rotation up at the top. So that, that means a lot to me. That means a lot to me. Thanks, guys. Let's let's get let's get plugs in for you guys one last time and then we'll sign off. Oh, yeah. All right. So it is break the rules TV. When you go to break the rules TV, that takes you to our YouTube page. Give us a subscription. Become a subscriber. Patreon.com slash break the rules. That is TH3. So instead of the type in TH3 rules, break the rules and, and become a patron. My- and also follow my YouTube channel, Giner Productions. And uh, I mean, if you go to my Twitter, you'll find everything to my Instagram and to other things. It's uh, a YouTube.com slash Giner Productions. Yeah, I recently had a video on uh, this YouTube uh, m- Pride Month like banner ad that was like about humans of flat design. Uh, shout out to Eli Chef. Um, yeah, so just you can find everything on my Twitter. I'm going to make a link tree and everything, so... Excellent. Awesome. And break the awesome. rules, Patreon. And you could also follow me on Twitter at Levpo, L-E-V-P-O, and also go to my, <laughs> God damn it, go YouTube to my channel, YouTube. Lev Polyakov. Yeah. Lev Polyakov. Uh, watch my animations. I also do Every the Lev Sunday stream. Every art stream. Yes, Lev stream, art stream. And, Hashtag and really, invest in the Lev. art stream is kind of like NXT to Monday Night Raw because we field people to go on the main roster of Break the Rules during the Lev stream. Yes, and of course, buy your NFTs. That's oh, right. Yeah. Yes. Superrare.com. I'm on there. I'm on known origin. Uh, so superrare.com. It's superrare.com slash left Poliaco. I think it's all one word. Anyway, guys, you know the drill. Thank you so much for watching. And please support these fellas. Uh, please support the Fed Post. And we're all going to grow together. And we are going to be the overmen. Even if other people are going to be the robots, we're going to be the overmen. We're taking over. You heard it here. God bless. Goodbye.